You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. Turn your Bibles, if you would, tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. you're turning there, the Lord Jesus taught us, and then Paul mentioned it in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. We're going to talk here tonight about giving way to proving love. You know, if you look around our country today, this nation that has always been so generous, and we have been a generous nation, both in meeting the physical needs of others as well as meeting the spiritual needs of people around the world, I, be, I believe we're seeing the, this principle of giving and the principle of giving to prove your love, giving out of love for the Lord. We see this principle of giving going by the wayside. You know, this nation has been a, a driving force in missions around the world. You know, and yet if we look around today and we hear from our missionaries that are out on the field and coming back through the church, we hear about so many missionaries being dropped by churches, churches dropping missionaries, cutting their mission budget. You know, stopping their support of missions. And, and just, you see churches closing their doors as well. Part of that is due to maybe, you know, the population, the membership of the church getting elderly and, and dying off. But some of it is also related to finances of the church. They're having to close their doors because they can't afford to keep the doors open. So I think we're seeing that giving spirit in our nation going by the wayside. You know, like I said, there's various reasons for that, but the bottom line is that the church in general, the church in general in America today, is not as committed as giving to others, as opposed to maybe building up their own ministries, maybe as opposed to just focusing on their own desires, and people are not as focused on giving as we are on focused on our own needs, our own wants, our own desires. You know, if you've seen anything in the news the past couple of weeks, you've probably heard the name or seen the face of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is this Democrat socialist in, in New York City, who just won this, this primary. She's 28 years old. She won this primary. She beat out the Democrat incumbent for their primary election in this New York City borough. Not only was it stunning, though, that she beat this particular person that he was beat, and by the margin he was beat, I mean, he was beat by 15 points by this relative newcomer who was a proclaimed Democrat socialist. But the man was Joe Crowley, and he was the fourth-ranking Democrat in the House of Representatives. Potential successor to Nancy Pelosi as the leader of the, the Democrats in the House, and she was able to unseat this man because of her policy, her socialist policy. You know, she hit on all the major talking points of the socialist movement in order to win this primary. She hit on, you know, Medicare for all or, you know, giving everybody something free for, for nothing. You know, everybody wants something free. Doesn't that sound great? We're just going to give it all for free. You're, you don't have to do anything. It's just going to be there for you. You know, that was what she ran on. Obviously, people love that sort of stuff. You know, you know no talk of how to pay for it, you know, other than we're going to tax those dirty rich people. We're going to tax them because that's the magic bean that just solves all problems. If you raise taxes on the rich, that's the magic bean that makes that beanstalk just grow and supports every government project. 
You know, she also promoted the, the elimination of ICE because they're too harsh in their treatment of those who break our laws. You know, and back a few years, I think we would have all thought that it was impossible that someone with those proclaimed, even somebody like Bernie Sanders with those proclaimed Democrat socialist roots would be elected in America, this capitalist society, this society believes in hard work and working for what you get, you know, and then giving of that what you get to others. You know, we see that breakdown today where a lot of our society is drifting towards this socialist ideology where we want the government to give to us to meet our needs as opposed to looking to God to meet our needs. You know, she really calls herself a Democrat socialist, but she's probably a Marxist. But even today, if we were to call her a Marxist and label her a Marxist, and she were to label herself a Marxist, she probably could still win an election in America because we're losing that principle of giving and how giving is supposed to be done in our own lives and in the church especially. You know, there was a study done in 2017 where 44% of millennials... 44% of millennials said that they would prefer to live in a socialist country rather than a capitalistic one. That's 44% of millennials in our country would rather live in a socialist country than in a capitalistic one. Now, part of that, I know, is because they are being taught that socialism is good. I understand that this is being forced into their brains. So that's nothing necessarily against millennials specifically. I'm not, I'm not preaching that to say that's against millennials in general because obviously they, they're being taught by somebody. Somebody is teaching them. But that is where we're at in America, that the upcoming generation is thinking that socialism is a good thing. I don't think they really understand, though, because they're not being taught the opposite end of socialism, what socialism really turns into, which is the destruction of humankind, both physically, both monetarily, as well as in their spiritual well-being. Socialism destroys spiritually as well. And they're not being taught that. And you can see this destruction being played out around the world. It doesn't take long, if you look at a socialist country, to see this sort of destruction that's played out. But obviously, the news media covers that up as well. They won't talk about this sort of destruction, only the good things of socialism, such as free stuff. You know, you look at Venezuela, Cuba, North Korea. You know, Bolivia is going down that path as well of this socialism that's just destroying their countries, destroying the people in the countries. You know, that idea that we want somebody to give to us whatever we want, whatever we want. We, you know, we're, we can't have enough. We can't have enough stuff given to us rather than looking at how we could give to others and meet the needs of others. Most people, I think, that say they embrace socialism, they probably embrace it because they think that everyone would be equal. We would all be equal. You know, that's a great thought, that all of us would be equal, we all be the same. You know, that's what they think, whether they earn it or not. But as Jesus said, it is more blessed to give, speaking to the individual, not to government, more blessed to give than to receive. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I hope you're there. I'm going to read verse 1 down through verse 15, and then I'll read verse 24 as well. Follow along if you would. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying out with us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Verse 6. 
insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore, verse 11, now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance out of also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to a man, that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he that hath gathered much had nothing over, and he that hath gathered little had no lack. Now let's move down to verse 24. Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. Let's pray. Our dearly Father, Lord, I do pray that you would open your word to us tonight, Lord, that we would see clearly from your word what you would have for us to understand in, the in how we should give, Lord, and how we should serve you with our giving, Lord, how we should please you with our giving, Lord, the correct attitude we should have in our giving, Lord. I pray that you would just help us tonight, Lord. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Just give me your words as I preach tonight, Lord, that they would be your words and not mine. Lord, that we can receive a blessing from your word tonight. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, this passage is kind of familiar to us, I believe. If we spend any time in church, we've probably gone over this passage before. And we can see the Apostle Paul here exhorting the believers at Corinth, the church at Corinth, to be like the Macedonian churches. These Macedonian churches that were willing to give. You know, none of us really like to be compared to others, do we? Do we like it when we're compared to others? You know, we don't like it, well, we especially don't like it when we're being compared to somebody and we're being told, why can't you be more like so-and-so, right? We don't like to be compared like that, like Paul is comparing the Corinthian church right here to the Macedonian churches. You know, there may have been some of that resentment as well with the Corinthian church as they're receiving this letter from the Apostle Paul, but it's obviously that he was inspired of the Holy Spirit to write this to them. The Apostle Paul was inspired in giving this to them. And if we could compare ourselves to previous generations of Christians, early church, you know, throughout the ages, to even early church America, if we can compare ourselves to how they used to give and the sacrifices that they used to make in their giving, are we to the same level that they are? Just as the Apostle Paul was comparing the church at Corinth to the Macedonian churches who were willing to give. You know, we're not talking about just the giving of money, though. When we're talking about giving, giving encompasses everything in our life that we have available to give, all of our talents. All of our talents can be given, which, you know, may be money, but it can be other things as well. You know, I'm obviously not a paid employee of the church, so I really don't have a horse in the race. I, you know, I can stand up here and preach a message on giving, and you don't have to look at me and say, I'm trying to beg money for the church so that I can have a paycheck, okay? We all know that, right? So I feel free, <laughs> free to do that tonight. But, you know, I do know that the Lord blesses a cheerful giver. The Lord blesses a cheerful giver. 
He blesses someone who gives cheerfully their tithes and offerings to the Lord. And he will pour blessings upon those who tithe and give offerings to the Lord. You know, later in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it tells us that the Lord blesses a cheerful giver. So the question is, do we as American Christians and Americans in general give with the attitude of giving that brings blessing into our life and that proves that we love both God and others? Do we give with that attitude that proves, as the Macedonian church has proved to the Apostle Paul, that their, their love, do we give like that? I know, though, that any time there is a need around the world, Anytime there's a need around the world, Americans give generously. Above and beyond any, any other country in the world, we give. We're willing to give. We give to meet those needs. And I believe God blesses us for that generosity. God has blessed us for our generosity, I believe, as Americans. But do we give for the right reasons? You know, even though we are giving and we're generous in that giving, do we give for the right reasons, the right attitudes, and the right method. See, all those things matter to God. God wants us to give with the right attitude. He wants to give us to give for the right reason. He wants us to give with the right method. God wants to be the one who leads us in our giving. So do we give in a way that proves our love for God? Do we follow his leading? Let's look at this passage here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 in depth and see if we are giving and if we are the givers that we need to be is God points out to us as Paul writes to us here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So we're going to look at five ways that we are shown we should be givers in this passage. And I'm going to try to make it easy on our brains tonight, okay? I'm going to try to make it easy. I've had a long day. I'm sure you all have had a long day. It's been a long week. I don't even know hardly where I'm at. But we're going to go with the first five letters of the alphabet. A, B, C, D, and E. I think that's the first five. Okay. So that's what we're going to... We're going to go tonight. That's how rough of a week it's been. So, A, abound unto the riches of your liberality. You know, the Macedonian church was not rich at this time. In fact, it says in verse 2 that they were in a great trial of affliction. The Macedonian church was in a great trial of affliction at this time when they are giving this gift, and the Apostle Paul is using them for an example in this passage. But in this great trial of affliction, they had an abundance of joy. And why did they have this abundance of joy? Why did they have this abundance of joy? It was because they, A, they abounded unto the riches of their liberality. They gave liberally to the need. They abounded in their giving to the Lord. You know, it's only good to be a liberal when you are talking about giving. We don't want to be liberal when we're talking about this, this moral rot that's being pushed upon our society. You know, that... We don't want to be liberal in that aspect, but we do want to be liberal when it comes to giving. Our giving should not be relegated to monetary giving only, either. We shouldn't be just thinking that when we're talking about giving, which, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people, you know, when you mention the word giving, they immediately go, oh, he's going to talk about tithes. He's going to talk about tithing and offerings and giving to the church. That's not what giving is all about. I mean, money is involved in giving, right? We know that money is part of giving. But giving, it doesn't just involve money. We need to be giving liberal in giving of our money, but we also need to be liberal in giving of our time, our abilities, our friendship, our encouragement, etc. We must be giving people who are liberal or generous in our giving. You know, sometimes we think we can't be giving. So we, th we think we can't give. We, don't, we can't be a giving person. It doesn't come natural for us. I know for a lot of us, it doesn't come natural. I know there's some 
There's some who are aliens, or not, not illegal, but aliens among us who actually like to give. People who are just out of the norm. They're strange. They're different. But most of us, we like to hoard. We don't like to give. We like to get. We, li we like presents being given to us. We don't necessarily like to give them. You know, it's something we have to really learn. We have to let the Lord work in our lives to turn us into givers because it doesn't really come natural for us. We want to get. We want to get stuff. So, in order to prove our love for God, we must abound under the riches of our liberality. Whatever those riches may be, small or great, we must abound in giving. You know, obviously, we all here don't have the same income level. We don't have the same talent level. We don't say have the same ability level. I can't go play the piano like Mrs. Raby can. I, you know, she's giving of her time and sacrificing so that we could have a piano player tonight, right? Otherwise, I'm not playing the piano. You know, we're singing a cappella. But Mrs. Raby was giving and gave of her ability to the Lord tonight so that we could have a wonderful song service, right? See, that's the giving that we're talking about as well. So sometimes we feel we don't have enough to give, or the Lord is leaving us. You know, this is the hard one. We feel like the Lord is leading us to give too much. You know, that's where we really hit the road. You know, we like, oh, oh <laughs> breaks there. The Lord is leading us to give too much. Sometimes that's what we feel. You know, we can't allow the devil or ourselves, our inner conversations, to dissuade us in our giving and cause us to be stingy or withholding good from the needs that we encounter. You know, that is, that is what we have to fight. We have to be willing to abound in the liberality of our riches, giving generously. And that leads us to B. B we find in verse 3. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Paul here makes sure to note that the Macedonians not only gave to their power, but they also gave beyond their power. Even, I would say more importantly, they gave beyond their power. Beyond their power that they could see, they were willing to give. Remember, they were in a great trial of affliction. They didn't have much. They didn't have much at all. But they were willing to go beyond their power to give to the work of the ministry. A lot of times, I limit God to only giving or being willing to give what is in my power to give. What can I do in this situation? What can I meet? What needs can I meet? And we focus so much on I that we don't fit focus on God. We don't focus on His power and what He can give through us. We're not those willing vessels to be used of Him in our giving. In this record, we find that not only were the Macedonians willing to give whatever they could beyond their power, they literally begged the Apostle Paul to accept their gift. You look down in verse 4, praying us with much entreaty. Much entreaty. They didn't come to the Apostle Paul and say, Apostle Paul, can I give you 20 bucks? He's like, no, I can't take 20 bucks. Okay, okay, good. Can't take 20 bucks. That's, that's how we like to give sometimes. You know, we like to offer, hoping that they don't take it, right? We like to offer, hoping that somebody doesn't take it. Or we say, I'll come over and help you with that project, hoping that they say, I don't need help. You know, that's the way we give. We just want to put on a show of giving, but we don't want to truly give beyond our power. So how often do we beg pastor to allow us more opportunities to give so that more people can be ministered to? Or when the special offering is played as past, do we groan and hope that the people beside us don't hear us groan or mutter or say the things because we don't want to give? No, and that's just talking about money. But how about when we are asked to sign up for work around the church? That stuff, you know, 
or, or the life-threatening job of working in VBS or the bus ministry or any kids ministry or, or the nursery. <laughs> that one. Not, you know, only certain people are called to the nursery, I'm sure. But how often do we? I mean, are we willing to give of that? Do we want to give up our seat in church in these comfortable seats in the auditorium to work in the ministries of the church that take place on Sunday and Wednesdays? We have to be willing to give as the Lord leads to us. And sometimes, you know, we say the Lord's not leading me in that ministry because we've never asked the Lord to lead us into any ministry, right? So we have to be willing to give beyond our power. You know, it is beyond our power to deal with some of the bus kids and some of the kids in church ministry. It is beyond our power to deal with them. We have to let the Lord work in them through us. We have to let the Lord give us our power. So how do we give beyond our power? Because it's such an unnatural thing for most of us to do. How do we do that? Well, that we find in letter C. Letter C in verse number 5. And this they did, not as we hoped, not as the Apostle Paul hoped. They didn't give according as the Apostle Paul hoped. But first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You know, the Macedonian churches did not look to the Apostle Paul first to check what needs needed to be met or what needs he had. The reason they were giving and they were willing to give was because they first completely surrendered themselves to the Lord. They first completely surrendered themselves to the Lord. That's the C, complete surrender to the Lord in our giving. They completely surrendered themselves to the Lord in their giving. And then secondly, they went to the Apostle Paul and asked him what he needed, what the needs were that they needed to meet in the churches at Corinth and around the Apostle Paul's ministry. In order for us to give as the Lord directs, we must be completely surrendered to him and allow him to direct our giving. We can't hold on to our pocketbook too tight. We can't hold on to our daily planner too tight. We have to allow the Lord to direct us in our giving. We have to be completely surrendered to him in our giving. We must be that living sacrifice that is talked about in Romans 12, 1 to 2. Remember, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Our reasonable service is that we would be a living sacrifice, that we would be completely surrendered to the Lord. Now we're talking about here, we're talking about giving tonight. We need to be completely surrendered in all things, but especially in our giving, we need to be completely surrendered. And this may, you know, we have to be completely present ourselves to God to be used as he sees fit. And that may be through monetary giving, or it may be of giving of non-monetary things, such as time or abilities, or, you know, just hard work, stuff like that. Giving is not about how much we give or what we give, but it's about meeting the needs of the ministry and others individually as well. So often we forget the purpose of our giving, that we do it out of habit or out of, necess not out of necessity, but not necessarily out of the leading of the Holy Spirit in complete surrender to the will of God. We don't prove our love to the Lord because we're not willing to completely surrender to Him in our giving. You know, in verse 7 through 9, it tells us, you know, he, the Apostle Paul lists off some things here that are typical activities of the church. It says, therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in our faith, in our utterance, in sharing our faith, in spreading the gospel, in knowledge, study of the word, okay, in diligence, in your hard work, and in your love to us, you know, just showing your love for the Apostle Paul, see that ye abound in this grace also. 
We need to abound in this grace of giving. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. You know, our love, the sincerity of our love is proven by how we give and the attitude with which we give, and by how we allow the Holy Spirit to lead in us through our giving. Verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. If we perform these other things, such as faith, utterance, knowledge, study of the scriptures, diligence, performing that which you have received, you know, obeying the scriptures, that diligence of obeying the scriptures, if we perform these other things, we must be giving people as well, as that is the outward evidence to others of our love for the Lord. That is the proof of our love for the Lord, as well as our proof for others. When we're willing to give to others, we prove that we love others. If we say to others, well, I hope you come through that need okay, but we're not willing to help them with that need, does that really prove that we love that person or not? You know, the Lord Jesus was the richest, is the richest, most exalted being. And he became low. He became low. He put himself into poverty, born into poverty. He walked along the dusty trails of Judea and Samaria for us. Nowhere to lay his head at night, you know, laying his head on a rock, sleeping out on the ground. I'm sure he didn't have an inflatable air mattress. You know, he was laying out there, roughing it, to share the gospel, share the good news of himself with others, so that we, and then he ended up dying on the cross, dying that criminal's death for us, so that we might be made rich unto spiritual riches. But so often our thoughts on giving focus solely on monetary giving and not on spiritual giving as the Lord Jesus focused. The Lord Jesus was focused on meeting the physical needs of people, but also, most importantly, meeting their spiritual need. You know, our thoughts are giving are more align, along the lines of this. We give money so we don't have to give anything else. Okay? Or, we don't have money to give, so we can't give anything else. We don't want to give to that need because they're going to abuse it. You know, they're not going to do what they should with that gift, so we're not going to give. We don't, so we don't give anything. We don't give anything else. We wouldn't be appreciated for our giving, so we don't give anything else. We don't have time to spare, so we won't give anything else. See, that's the way we fall in our own mind. That's how we think about giving sometimes. And part of this mindset is simply the fact that we don't like to part with our hard-earned cash, or we don't like to take time off work, or you know, we don't wanna, we're too busy entertaining ourselves to go out and do something for the Lord or for others. You know, the other part is that we're just not completely surrendered to the Lord in the area of giving to Him, in all areas, not just monetarily, but giving of ourselves to the work of the ministry. We must be committed, as Christ was committed, to meeting the physical needs of others in order to have the opportunity to meet their spiritual need. You know, if we're not willing to meet the physical needs of others, we're definitely not going to have the opportunity to meet their spiritual need. And you see, Jesus, he, he did that all the time. He healed people, and then He preached to them and told them, go and sin no more, Right? He healed their sickness, their physical sickness, and then he healed their spiritual disease as only he could do. As only he could forgive sins, but that is what we need to be doing. We need to be meeting the physical needs of people and then telling them you have a spiritual need that's more important that needs to be met, and only Jesus can meet that spiritual need. Complete surrender is required in order to be in God's will, to see his blessing, and to demonstrate our love for him through our giving. So that was A, B, and C. Now we're down to D. And we find that in verse 11 and 12. And that's a simply, we just got to do it. Okay? D stands for do it. Verse 11 and 12. Now therefore perform the doing of it. That is, there was a readiness to will, 
so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to a man hath, and not according to the hath not. So often we have that readiness to give. We have that willingness to give. We have that capability to give. We have the Lord's direction to give. But we simply just don't give, right? We have all those things. We have everything we need. We just don't take that action to give. You know, I have an example this week, probably because I was preparing this message. But I was in the grocery store. And you know, when I'm in the grocery store, there's only one thing on my mind. Only one thing. How quickly can I get out of here? How quickly can I get out of here? You know, so I'm in there. I think I'm probably only getting one thing. I can't even remember what I was getting. No, I definitely was not getting peanuts. Definitely not getting peanuts. I might be buying up the whole stock, burning it, but I was not getting peanuts. But there's this lady in front of me, and I'm not paying much attention, but she has like three things, you know, so I got in the, the quick checkout line. This is not, there's no self-checkout aisle in this store, okay? This is Family Fair in Albion, but she's in front of me. She has a, a bag of chips, a pack of hot dogs, and a hot, pack of hot dog buns, and I'm not paying attention much, and all of a sudden I see her just run, the, ring those two first. Like, okay. So she rang two first, and then, you know, says, and I'm not paying attention. She goes, set the buns aside. And the Lord prompted me, why don't you just pay for her hot dog buns? I mean, I've never been to that point that I'm in the grocery store and I, you know, I can't afford a pack of hot dog buns to go along with the hot dogs that I just bought. So I don't know if she didn't have the money or she just didn't want to spend it, but she scraped through her checkbook to get this as I'm sitting there going, I just need to open my mouth and say, I'll pay for it. But I didn't. So I'm the bad example. I didn't open my mouth and say, here, just take a dollar and pay for these, these hot dog buns. But how often is that in our lives where we see the need, we have the ability to meet the need, we're giving the prompting of the Holy Spirit to meet that need, and we just don't take the action of opening our mouths or reaching out to others or taking the steps to go across and talk to somebody that we see is hurting and meeting their need. You know, we can be willing to abound in liberality. We can be willing to do beyond our power. We can be completely surrendered to the will of God in our giving. But if we don't physically reach out and give or open our mouths to edify, or do what we need to do to meet the needs, then nothing comes from our willingness. Nothing comes from all the things that we prepared about. You know, being willing to abound in our giving. Being just, you know, beyond our power. Okay, do beyond our power and what we have in our power. And then completely surrendered. Nothing comes of it if we don't take that action. Giving is an action that proves we love. That's why love is in action. Love is an action. Love in words or feelings is just a fantasy. It's just a fantasy until we put action to those words or those feelings. That's how we prove our love is by taking action. How many people have missed out on our giving just because we didn't do it? We didn't help. We didn't do what we knew we needed to do. You know, there is no question that we are in a moral crisis in America. And it seems like as a church that we're losing this moral crisis. But what if we were willing to meet the needs, to give ourselves to meet the needs of some of these people, to tell them that their immoral behavior is wrong? I know that not all people are going to receive it. Obviously, we know that men are born into sin and that without salvation, without the blood of Jesus Christ washing away their sins, they don't have freedom from that power of sin. But how willing are we to reach out to others and try to draw them back from this life of immorality to the Lord Jesus? Are we willing to give of ourselves, even those people that we think are impossible to reach, are we giving to that point? 
The point is, are we individually or as a church doing anything to meet their needs? Spiritual need foremost, but the physical needs as well. So that was D. E, equality. That, that word, equality. You know, it's, you hear it so often nowadays, equality. Verse 13, For I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want. Their, their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, He hath gathered much, had nothing over, and he that hath gathered little had no lack. Now somebody from the left would say, see, socialism is in the Bible. We should all be equal. That's what the Bible teaches. But is that what the passage here is really teaching us? No, it's not. It's not teaching us that we all should be equal because, number one, the way the left would want to go about it is that the government gives to all to make it equal. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about individuals seeing the needs of others and meeting the needs of others so that all are equal and that the fact that all needs are met. We're all equal in the fact that all of our needs are met. When we see a need, we meet that need so that that person no longer has a need, the same as we no longer have a need because we are doing the, we are looking about us and we are seeing those who have needs and meeting the needs so that we are equal. We're not allowing that God of overpowering governmental state to be the one donating to our needs and meeting our needs. No, we are not equal like that. What is being described here is that equality of want or having our needs met. Not covetous want, you know, not the covetous things like I would really like, you know, a certain type of automobile or a certain type of car that is way too expensive for me to afford. We're not talking about that. We're talking about having our basic needs met equally among the brethren. In addition, additional, to, in addition to that, having our needs met equally, there's also equality in meeting those needs. See, you don't get away without meeting somebody else's needs if you want to have equality. You have to also be willing to meet the needs of others as well. This is equal responsibility among the brethren to have the needs met. See, if we look at this passage in verse 13, it specifically says it is not for one to be eased and another to be burdened. It's not for some person to sit back and collect a fat check while somebody else works really hard to collect that fat check for them. That's not what we're talking about here. What we see, that's what we see happening in our current welfare state to some extent, is you know, people sitting back and not working because they don't have to. They don't have to, and so it's being abused. That's what a social utopia would do. It causes that stuff to be abused where people don't feel like they have to work. You know, in 2 Thessalonians it says specifically, for, if even, for even when we were there with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. See, we are all required to do some sort of, sort of labor to get our food. We need to work for our food. What is being talked about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 in regards to equality is related to people who are working hard. If we look down, it says in verse 14, Now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. See, in verse 15, He that hath gathered much hath nothing over, and he that hath gathered little had no lack. Here people were working hard. You know, they were working hard to get their needs. And some people, they were having abundance. They had an abundance come in because they were working hard and they just, the Lord blessed them and they had an abundance come in. And then these people over here, they were working really hard too. But it just didn't come in. Either their crops didn't come in like they wanted or whatever they had to sell didn't sell. You know, and so that is the point when we need to see the need and we need to meet that need. That is when a fellow believer should step in and assist the other believer so that though their needs are met, that their needs are met. When we see the needs of others, we should meet them. 
And one of the reasons is so that we could prove our love to them, obviously. We need to prove our love to them. We need to prove our love to the Lord, that we're willing to meet the needs of others. But also, if we're willing to meet the needs of others in their time of need, when it's our time to need, which our time will come, others will be willing to meet our needs as well. Hence, the equality. You know, it might be nice for us, because this does step on our toes a little bit, to think that, you know, if somebody has a need and I have an abundance, that I should give them my abundance to meet their need. Because we like to justify why they're in need. You know, we like to rationalize in our mind, oh, that person's in need because they did this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. So I shouldn't have to meet their need because they didn't. But that's not what's being told here. That we need to be willing to see the needs of others and give to meet the needs. You know, one of the reasons I believe that socialism and communist mindset has, and the statist mindset has seen such a rise in our country is because the Christians in America we were content to allow the government to meet the needs, meet the needs of the people. We were content to allow them to give to the people the needs, you know, because it took away the responsibility of the church. It took away our responsibility to meet the needs. So the government gives out indiscriminately so that we, the church, the Christians in the church, do not need to see the needs and meet them personally. Because it gets, it gets tough when you've got to do it personally, right? When you've got to get involved personally with somebody's life and meet their needs, then, then, it, then it takes work. Then it takes work. It's much, you know, we would rather sacrifice and have the government take it out of our paycheck and just give it away than have to do the work to meet the need, to show our love to them. You know, when we are forced to give, though, when the government takes it from us and then redistributes our wealth, to somebody who may be less fortunate, but also who may be less diligent, it doesn't typically bring joy to us. It usually brings resentment, right? Bring a little bit. Maybe not a lot, but a little bit. could bring resentment in our lives. On the other hand, when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in meeting the needs of others, it brings abundance of joy. Abundance of joy into our lives. And our love for the person that we're, whose need we're meeting will grow. We will love that person more. If we have somebody we don't like, we should probably just start giving to them because we will want to love them a lot more when we're making an investment in their life. You know, you love the things that you invest in. If I invest in a company whose name is Polka Dots R Us, I'm going to love Polka Dots R Us as long as they're making me money. Okay, that's the same way. Not necessarily in the making me money part, but in that abundance of joy. When we are investing our personal time, our personal money, into the lives of somebody whose need we see. When we are giving of the Lord in complete surrender to Him, we're going to have that abundance of joy, and our love for the Lord will be increased as well. We're going to love the Lord more as He directs us to give, and we follow His leading, and we give as we should give. So, giving way to proving love. And that has kind of two meanings. You know, giving is the way to proving our love for the Lord. But we also have to give way in order to prove our love for the Lord by giving. We have to allow the Lord to work through us. We have to allow him to direct our finances, to be those givers that he wants us to be. So let's go through them again. A through E, first five letters of the alphabet. A, we need to abound in liberality. Abound in the liberality of our riches, not stingy in our giving. We have to A, abound. B, we have to be willing to go beyond our power 
in our giving. We must rely on God to provide, to meet the needs of others in certain situations. We must be willing to give beyond our power, just as the Macedonian churches, they were in that great trial of affliction, yet because they knew there was a need, and they wanted to meet the need, and the Lord was directing them to meet the need, they went above and beyond their power in order to meet that need. C, complete surrender to the Lord in our giving. Completely surrender to the Lord in our giving. And then D, we just have to do it, right? We have to do it. When we're there, we have to do it. And then E, we need to equality, have equality in meeting needs. We need to see the needs around us and make sure that if we have more than we need, we need to meet the needs of those who have need. Now, sometimes we should do it through the local church. Like I said, that has to be done through the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that giving will be successful. If we go outside the leading of the Holy Spirit and try to give to somebody, we're going to make a mess of the situation, right? So we have to do it through the leading of the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit leads us in a situation and we feel everything is in line to give, we need to give as the Lord directs us to have that equality in meeting the needs. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.